hey, hey, welcome to the Really Charlie Podcast, where you get a chance to really tell your story, whether they're inspirational or educational, we just try to get people on here, so we can say, really Charlie? Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, everybody, to the Really Charlie podcast. Today's guest is the, not infamous, but the famous, <laughs> I love this dude, uh, track field coach at New Bedford High School, and also UMass Dartmouth. Uh, you know, from uh, when I first met him, I said, wow, that's a good dude, you know, and then I found out you were the track coach. I said, yes. So um, it was good. I, I just ran track to keep in shape for uh, for um, football, and um, my one year there experience with you was great. And um, uh, may you rest in peace, Darren. It was another good dude for me. Absolutely. Um, actually, a great, great dude. Um, yep. You dearly, dearly missed. We so. got a memorial for Darren UMass Dominic. Right underneath the scoreboard, there's a rock with a plaque. His ashes are there, and uh, his mom, God rest her soul, she's died during this pandemic. She passed away, and I believe it was April, but she'd go over there and plant flowers because uh, she didn't live too far from the campus. So, yeah, anytime anybody's on the track, up underneath that scoreboard, up around the turn, there's a, a good-sized rock with a plaque right on it talking about Darren, what he contributed to his life. I, I'm going to make sure that I go there this week. Uh, that's mm-hmm. definitely um, something I something I didn't know, and um, that's when we'd have our team meetings the day before a meet. We'd meet there at the Rock, so he was still a part of our program. Man, that's awesome! I, I didn't even know that. Wow, that's cool. Um, <clears throat> we uh, when when I was doing this podcast, I was always thinking about somebody you know, people I can interview, and um, you know, always trying to get an inspirational story out there. You're clearly inspirational. You're a mentor to many of us. And um, I'm just glad, especially when uh, when some of my friends have and your former players have um, were, uh, you know, noticing that you were coming on. They were all excited. And um, <laughs> so what we're going to do is if they come on and they want to get an invite, we'll put them on the screen, too, you know. So. All right. All right. Uh, so. I um, could be like this is your life. This could be like yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why don't we uh, you know, we were off here and we were talking about uh, you know, sports, track and field, um, and it led to us talking about someone that's dear to both of us, and that's Andre McCoy. Um, can you share a story? with us yeah, you know. yeah the story i was we were talking off air about was i just mentioned that i knew andre you know as a student and I, I i love boxing and particularly back then even more so i been to a lot of fights uh um but and I, a lot of golden gloves fights when they used to be at the lincoln park and andre had phys ed his senior year and he changed up in the first style of the locker room and there were not a lot of kids though. There was pretty much him and a, a, another athlete by the name of Tony Williams, whose dad was Red Williams, a custodian at the schools, passed away. And ended up that they, their period was the same period the kids from what's called the CHOP program, the special um, mentally challenged, physically challenged students. They can be up to 21 years of age while they're in the program. And back in those days, there weren't many teacher aides. And um, in their particular situation, it was a, fe- a woman or a couple of women who would bring them down to phys ed. So they couldn't come into the locker room. And those kids would go in, they'd change on that first aisle, but a lot of them needed help. And um, Tony and um, and Andre uh, took it upon, no one told them. Uh, the women aides had asked me, hey, well, I was off that period, could you, you know, just check on them? But I didn't even ask Tony and Andre. They ended up, you know, whether it was, tying a kid's shoes for him, making sure he got his clothes put away. They did it the whole, well, Andre did it most of the year. Unfortunately, you know, he had his tragic 
death with a plane crash later that year. But those two guys, without anyone telling them, uh, did that. And, you know, of course, we're talking about Andre here. It just showed me the type of character, the type of person he was. And uh, we talked every day at Fazette. And one of the other stories I shared with him was back then, uh, why World of Sports, there was no cable. Well, cable was just coming out. So it's just starting. ESPN had just started. I think it was why World of Sports was doing a boxing series, amateur boxing, in the league for the 80 Olympics. And um, so you got to familiar with some of the top amateur boxers in the country. And one guy in his weight class was a guy, Alex Ramos, from the Bronx in New York. And uh, so I asked him one day, what would happen if you met Alex Ramos, if you guys end up meeting in the Olympic trials finals? And he goes, I'll break his heart. I'll just break his heart. And uh, it, was, it was funny. I mean, Andre was about 6'2", weighed 168. I mean, so he had a, a reach that usually wasn't in that weight class. You're talking, you're fighting guys 5'8 to 5'10 generally, and then sitting there 6'2", uh, with a long arms of his. And he just... Uh, just a and just a good person, very good person. That's, that's that's a great story. I wish I had known that when I when I wrote the book. I mean, that mm-hmm. would have been a great story. For probably one of the the first ones I I would put in that book. Um, I'm I'm looking to uh, probably do another one, but I, I got to talk to Jeff some more and um, see if that's what they want to want to do. There's so many stories out there about them, and um, we definitely. Uh, you know, can't forget them. Got to keep them right. still standing, as I say. Exactly. Tell Jeff I said hello, and uh, uh, and uh, I'll still plan on getting them out for track at some point. He never came out. I think it would have been a great put. I see uh, Lee Field, Steve Drayton's mom, saying hi. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it was her. Actually, it was her birthday a couple of days ago. Happy birthday. Ms. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah, her, her son, her son made me look awful good. Yeah, yeah, Steve. Yeah, love the Fields family. They're yeah. um, outstanding. Um, and it, the craziest thing is, we all, you know, we all know you as you know, track and field history or historian. You know, and um, you you throw those stats out like it was <laughs> off the back of your hand. You know, it's great. <laughs> Well, what the, it, well, I see. That's one I can't. I can't fix anything in the house. I know how to basically even change a light bulb. But statistics and what kids do stick in my mind. You know, and um, I think part of it was every year. I every not every year, every season, I would type up a booklet for every kid to get. So if you ran cross country, you'd get one of like eighty pages long, every meet result and the history of the program and stuff, and indoor the same thing, and then spring. And uh, so if you ran 12 seasons, you'd get 12 booklets at the end. And by typing those results up, I think the, the times and the distances and the heights, I think just kind of stay in my head. And um, and sometimes I still have the booklet, so I can go back if I'm a little shaky on what something. I can always look it up and say, oh, okay. I, I, even with that, sometimes I have them going for further than, than you because know, that's just natural. You always scored more points, so you scored yeah. more touchdowns than you really did. And then the same thing with track, but luckily the booklet tells the truth, you know. And, and and you know, you know, you didn't run. It's funny. I had somebody reach out to me. He'll rename nameless and said, "How come I I don't have a ten five? I I know I ran ten five in the hundred meters, you know, but you'd be like nine five nine six in the old hundred yards." And I'm thinking, geez, how did he ever think that? And I'm telling them, you know, geez, I private message him back. Now I'm sorry, you never ran that. And, mm-hmm. and then I look, at, I go back, I grab the booklets, and I saw what happened. And some years with splits don't really count, and because particularly in the hundreds, you're getting a real running, a real advantage in a relay. But we split him in a relay in a four by one at ten five, oh, and of course, okay. it is my. So I said, yeah, in a way, you did run ten five, but it was on a relay leg with a running stop before you got the baton. And even though we timed everyone's 100 meters, we didn't care whether you had the baton or not. Once you hit that 100 meter mark on the each relay, that's what we we had the watch going. I might have three everybody in every zone, so we we'd combine them all the times at the end of the race and make sure we got an accurate reading on it. So we'd see who's running there. Like right straight away, obviously, would be faster than the turns leading off. You're going to be slower because you're going out of the blocks, but just kind of get an idea. Who's best on the turn? Who's best on the straightaway? Some people don't run turns well. 
and uh, he ran. Yeah, he did run a ten five, but it was a relay. Like that's like a almost a second probably advantage he's getting. You know, <laughs> they had to burst his bubble. <laughs> and as he's now, he's about thirty five years old. You know, kind of, he had his chest all out for about the last fifteen years, but um, unfortunately, still good. You know, still good. <laughs> I remember all the records you kept on the board, on the wall, rather. And, um, yeah. you know, yep. that, that was one of the first things going around that from the hallway to the, to your office. And actually seeing that was nice to see. Great motive, you know, motivator and stuff. We used to, I was just thinking of this today because I, someone ran, I ran to someone, they asked me if I knew people from my first team, a certain person from the first time. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I knew them very well and so forth. And, I used to put, yeah, you could said on the, we had two record boards. We had the one inside the gym phys ed office, the big one. And then we'd have one on the bulletin board for the current season, the top three in each event, just to try to motivate the kids. I want to get on that, that board, you know, let's say I have one of the three best jumps or times or distances in, in my particular team. And it, uh, it really, that would really work. It really get kids to kind of want to, you know, they might they're close, uh, maybe in the high jump, and they're the fourth high jump, and they want to get their name. And we just take have a little, uh, uh, we just put another one, another label on top of the one, and just every week we just keep changing the thing, uh, just as things went on. But it really worked, um, really worked good to motivate the kids and kind of keep them hungry. True. It, um, I, I remember, uh, in, Going one, I think it was my senior year, and, and look at the board. No, actually, it was junior year. I look at the board, and I just got through talking to Coach Barboza. Mm-hmm. I forget what we were talking about. I don't know. It's something. It, it, and then I look up, and then there's his name. It's still yeah. at the record, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, that stayed there. That stayed there until 1995, I think. And then. Uh, yeah, nine, well, he broke it before the kid Richard Woodbury uh, ended up jumping twenty three seven in the. Uh, I brought him to a college meet actually at Harvard, is indoors to see, and he went twenty three seven there, and he he had made the final. There was like the Reggie Lewis Center and some of these other places, so teams were up. Now there's you know a lot of the colleges have really nice indoor facilities. Back then they'd come up to Boston to be in Harvard's track. So North Carolina was there. UNC was there. University of Florida was there. The Gators. Wow. All these teams. And Richie makes the final and comes in fifth. <laughs> and, uh, and then since then, we had a guy. Uh, and But that was in that. Ron actually still do a record, Mr. Barboza. Yeah. And then Jeff Rose, my last year in 2008, jumped 23-2 to break it. And then John Williams, who graduated in 2010. He was a sophomore my last year at New Bedford High, and he jumped 22 something as a sophomore. So he was you know, obviously on his way to jump 23 10 and wow. won the New England. Yeah, in the in the long jump. So uh, it took a long time to, and you know, you know the kind of shoes Ron Barboza was wearing and what the runway was like that he was on in 1965 when he did that. Yeah. Uh, so everything in your era, if you had the best at that point, I mean. He's still with a record holder. He's still in our top 10 list at New Bedford. He's high up on that list. So, yeah, he, he had a pro time. He, and when Jeff broke it outdoors, Ronnie came out, pictures with him and stuff, and, uh, you know, shared the moment with him afterwards. So that was very nice. And Jeff appreciated it very much. Yeah, Jeff was one of them soft-spoken guys, you know, yeah. kind of um, – he played football also, right? Right. Real gentleman, Yes. Yes. Um, he, he uh, can't speak enough for him about him. Mm. I, uh, I mean, I always like, you know, hundred two twenty. Um, think that's yeah. You definitely had me running at two twenty. Mm. Uh, now, did you graduate? Is eighty five or eighty six? Five. Eighty five. Eighty five. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it was uh. First time I ran, it was in Seekonk. So it was a bad scared out, of my, <laughs> I was scared out of my mind. I said, oh, my God. And, uh, you know what happened? What? Jimmy Gomes. Yep. You know, Jimmy Gomes a football player, great football player. Jimmy Gomes is high jumping at Seekonk, and they had a bit in the parking lot off this little 
was about the size of a postage stamp. Mm-hmm. And he takes off and he, you know, we were trying to teach him that he was good. He jumped, I think, about six feet, but just first year doing it. But he traveled too much and they never missed the pit over to how many people come from his side. So I missed the complete pit and hit on his back in the parking lot. Wow. And thank God, I hate, you know, not thank God, I'm sure Jimmy wouldn't want to hear thank God it was him at Atlanta, but he was such a tough kid that yep. he went scraped up a bit. And I couldn't believe he uh, he was able, he was, quote, fine, you know, but uh, uh, that would have been a disaster for almost anybody else. I always think that, oh, my goodness, that poor kid. It wasn't any turf he landed on or anything. Oh, Jeff's mom is a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Laurie is just heard, just heard about her son. Great, great woman. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh so I mean Jeff, he was smooth. I always wanted him to run the ball more in football. You know? <laughs> I, I like, yeah. Give him the ball. Mm. Um and uh but I, I definitely um um love Jeff. We had a Actually, Laurie leaves a comment, another comment for us here. Oh. <laughs> Thank but you. A great mentor to my son. Yes. Um, now, it's, I'm thinking, you know, on an average, you, you probably had from 3,000 to 4,000 students going in that school at, at, in the early part of the early years, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, was it always, you know, a huge picking, you know, or was it, you know, I know that growing up you had, you know, my dad, my mom were always, mainly my mom, my uncle's always trying to keep me involved in something. So um, in that school, thousands of kids, you know, it's it, it was like a little town in the city, you know, 4,000 people at a, at a whack, you know, sometimes 1,000 kids a house. Um, the numbers have shrunk down, so you know, and, and it's it's sad to see that. I wish more kids were going coming out. Um, so, as you're selecting these kids, I mean, I don't remember cutting anybody. Do you, yeah, no, we never did that. Yeah, and um, uh, so you I always had a huge abundance, and and and. Um, I remember Darren, he was always talking to us constantly over and over again, you know, um, even when we seen him out in the, in the neighborhood, definitely a good dude. And, and you definitely are the same. And we had two great coaches with us that we can talk to. No, regardless of what it was, it was, you were always there for us, you know, and, and. Well, Darren. Um, my first year as head coach, I coached with Dick Pont in 76 as an assistant. And then I went off and coached at Pontiac for two years because I never thought Dick was going to – I wasn't teaching it upon, at New Bedford at the time. I was just working night shift at a supermarket loading shelves looking for yeah. a teaching job. And uh, my man, Big Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, uh, so anyways, there coaching, and then I came back with – decided not to stop coaching and Darren was a freshman that year the fall of 78 he didn't run that year came up to me at the end of that year and said I'm gonna run I'd like to run track next year and that's how we got it so I had him his last year one captains I ever had in two and uh when he came back from the Marine Reserves he started coaching with me but it was just great we would and I've known or knew him from his first year until he passed away in 2017, and we didn't coach, or he didn't coach with me all the time through that, but we always stayed in contact, and when I got the UMass, the UMass team was pretty, a little off, let's just say, and um, uh, what New Bedford High was, and um, after my first year, I got a hold of him and said, Darren, I need help over here. <laughs> this is, we got to build from, like, scratch almost, and uh and he goes, I've been waiting for you to call me. I said, can you, he had his own contracting business. I said, home improvement stuff. I said, can you be here by 3.30 every day? He goes, absolutely. And then for the next, I guess it would have been from the year 2009 to 2017. So about 10 years, eight, uh, that'd be what? No, eight years, but nine seasons. Between mm-hmm. 
indoors and outdoors, 18 seasons, you look at it that way. My right hand and uh, all through that time. The kids, you know, it, it, uh, they call them Papa Dad. <laughs> so, uh, got a, who was Coach Kelly? Oh, um, yeah. Someone? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it says him and Coach Kelly. So it's um got, an, got another comment here. Let's see what it says here. Oh, okay. I was going to – when you were talking about the size of the team wedding, I'd actually recruit from either the CHOP program or special needs or whatever. Tracy Lurie, uh, was, it was an able. And uh, he – I don't know how he came out with us. I didn't – he was the chaos for me doing that later on because it was such a great experience, obviously, for him, but for the team. And um, uh, Tracy – I mean, he, I mean, if he was at another high school, he, he might have been first team sprints. But I mean, I had Kippy Andre, Steve Drayton, Gary Benoit, Sean Walk, um, Leroy Tolentino. You know, I had some good sprinters. And um, so his heats, he would win. And so we go to Dennis Yarmouth. And uh, back to that was the worst one. That was like on the beach. And their coaches said, Oh, I heard you have. A, um, special Olympian on your team because I've got a couple. Yeah, special race. So I'm going. This guy doesn't know what he's getting himself into. They're going to be running. These poor kids are going to be running against a man, right? So they get out there and of course Tracy just blows these poor kids away. You know, they all are happy just to compete anyway. You know, mm -hmm. but you know he won by you know the hundred by like half the length of the hundred. I mean, the 200, they're coming off the turn. He's already finished, you know. And uh, I got on the bus after the meet, and I stopped going over what we did in the meet. And I had every intention to talk about Tracy. But as I'm, I'm saving it, but as I'm going through it and saying, what just happened to shot put and this and, this, you you know, uh, you know, Leroy Talentino, for instance, jumped in and, as I get to the pole vault and Nello Ortiz, uh, yep. and uh, I'm saying Nello, I have make eye contact with the kids where I did bus before. We're still sitting in the parking lot. I've forgotten about Tracy now to bring him up because I'm kind of in varsity mode right now of what we did there. And as I'm talking about Nello and pumping him up, he just jumped 13 feet or wherever he dumped in the pole vault. He's mouthing to me, Tracy, Tracy, you know, quietly just mouthing it. And I kind of give them, all right, yeah. So I save it to the end. And then I go through. And the best thing of the race of the day was Larry in the 100 and the 220. He won both. And everybody goes nuts on the bus. Screaming for him. There's Tracy sitting in. And he's putting his hands like He's so excited. And I, and I ran to him, Shaw's Supermarket, just a few years ago. It was already asked. So it wasn't too long ago. He was with a social worker, Tracy. Now at this point, say this was 2015, so he would have been about 50 years old, and he remembered. I remember. I know. I recognize a picture in my me and him, the social worker. And he goes, "How do you know him?" And so I told the social worker the story. I said, "This kid was a top bar in track and field. He was something." But uh, that led me to have a lot of quite a lot of other kids over the years, and it was great for the team. It taught you know, they would have to maybe help the kid with their locker, make sure they got across Parker Street all right. Just help them with the workouts, just make them feel part of things. And it was great that, to see how the kids responded to that. They learned a lot from those kids as much as those kids benefited from them. Was that the young young kid that they called Trey also? Did they call him Trey also? I don't remember if they did. I don't or, think so. Yeah. Um they might have, but I don't think so. I think we just yeah. called him Tracy. Yeah. Okay. All right, it's um just trying to figure out who he was. Um, I know I definitely seen him. The uh, yeah, we uh we got Reggie talking about the uh and Nathan said, "What to say?" Uh, I just want it's going to lead to a. <laughs> well, you know, the second in that family. Yeah. Um, we'll just have to wait for Benson to come on and make it a complete. Um, yeah, 
Uh, Benson won't show his face on this because I have to tell him a great story that I, a joke I pulled on Benson once, but I, I can't. I wouldn't no. do it. <laughs> I a great, one of my greatest practical jokes ever on Rodney. Victor. <laughs> I, I, gave, I gave someone, uh, oh, I can't think of who it was, gave one of the victors my shoes. They, something happened. They needed to wear mines. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm only 5'7", and, and you know, the victor's out there so tall. I said, there's no way you're going to fit in my shoes. Hey, and he, 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 um, he wore them. Hey, what's his name? It's uh, Not Patrick, not Reggie. Rodney. Rodney. Oh, my God. Rodney's shorter than those other two. Those other yeah. two were, you know. But anyway, he put them on, he, and he, he, he did his – he did his meat. I said, "Oh my God!" I said, "This might be killing him." So. <laughs> That's another thing. Some of the things kids hear, you know, that um, we had. Here's a story. We yeah. we go to this is one of my last years at New Bedford High. They start. We started having our duels even during the week at at the Lewis Center. Yeah. And but they said you can't wear spike during. The week on the weekend meets, meets you can wear spikes, but not for dual meets Monday through Friday. So I'm thinking, how are some of these kids gonna, you know, they, they could, I guess, practice in their sneakers or whatever they're wearing at practice. I guess they could wear those, but why would you work out all week and not even have wearing odd hoppers to racing? The owner of this, uh, it's called George and Phillips, um, specialty shoes up in Exit, Hampshire, and he, I've dealt with him for a lot. He's nice. And I told him the store, I said, do you have any seconds or anything that's going out that I could buy? Any size. So he gave me a great deal on like 20, 25 shoes. Spikes. That you can, the ones that you could take, put the spikes in, but take them out. You know, so we could wear them both weeks. You could just, it was a, no plastic on it. It was all rubber sole with just the places to put the spikes in. So you could waffle spikes or put spikes in. So we'd show up to the meets during the week at Reggie at the Lewis Center with um with uh, garbage bags filled with these shoes. And so I tell the kids, just take when you need them, put them on. When you're done, tie them back together, put them back in the bags so somebody else can wear them in another event. And that's how we're going through the season. So we get near the end of the season. And back then being in the, the big three, you know, there yeah. was, we didn't have any meets. So we'd have what we have would be bigger meets at the end so unfortunately the kids who weren't good enough to be going to the big meets this season would be over by like january 20th or something and mm-hmm. we're going all the way to the end of february early march and uh maybe at least late february and um so the, the kids were down to maybe it's the best 15 or 20 kids i told them all right you've been borrowing shoes after this next saturday meet we went to i said don't put them back in the bag you hold on to them to the end of the season, and then I'm going to drag them for the next season. So we get up for the Division One, or you know, the Class A meet. Uh, yep. They changed it now to Division One. And I told the kids during the week, change your spikes. I'll have spikes here in the gym during the week. Get them changed out so we don't have any problems Saturday morning changing your shoes. And um, and I don't want to, you know, we're not dealing with that on Saturday. We got a meet we're competing in. We get up to the meet. And I'm not going to say his name. He's a wonderful boy. It was his first year running track, and he qualified in the 600. Yeah. And he, and that's the second event. So he's in the bleachers at the Lewis Center, and he's changing the spikes. And anyone knows me, I may be easy going, but if you don't do what I've told you, I've been known to kind of lose my temper. And so I look at him, and I go, what are you doing? And he, I say, I told you to get that done during the week. It's warming up. I go, give me those shoes. So I grab the spikes. I go, you go in the gym and start warming up. I'll change the spikes. Mm-hmm. And I got two right-footed shoes in my hands. So I yelled to him, he's going away from the police. And I go, hey, I go, what do you call this? You got two right-footed shoes here. You've been running these all year. And he goes, yeah. And I go, why would you think you should wear two-footed shoes? He goes, I thought it helped me get around the turns better. <laughs> Qualified for the class A meet in two right <laughs> And that's what he wore that day. <laughs> he uh, ran like a 127 in the 600 first time, first year ever running track. And then the next fall, he was a junior that year, that boy. He hadn't run any, any sports until that uh, winter of his junior year. The next fall, he was a Boston Globe All Scholastic in cross country. Wow. He came to the top 10 in the whole state in cross country. You can't, you can't, <laughs> it matter like 10 months. <laughs> <laughs> that's talent. 
You know? <laughs> but yeah, he wore right-footed shoes the whole indoor season. Can't make that up. <laughs> oh. uh, Who's this? Jeff Rose, Jeff Rose would know who I'm talking about because Jeff was on that team. He'd know that story. <laughs> Jeff was like a junior that year, as was that boy. They were both were juniors. Oh, my God. Cop. Gracious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a great piece of talent. His son, you should see his son run. His son ran at Penn. Elias, uh, yeah. great in the meter, and just the one. Well, the whole family is just wonderful people. That's good. Uh, but Ricky's another one. One of the greatest captains I ever had was is Ricky too. He's on that '80 team that was New England champions as a team. They don't score that meet anymore. Hmm. And actually, they're not going. They're going to stop scoring this all state meet now. It's only only going to score like what you know is Class A or we know is Division One. They're not going to score. Have a team score for the all state meet. What a shame. Wow. And that kind of ruined the New England. When they took the scoring away from the New England meet, to me, it, it left, took off a little bit of the aura to the meet that it always had. Um, it wasn't as important. Some kids didn't go. Not as many kids go to the New Englands as they used to go. It, it's not uncommon for kids to pass on the New Englands. You never heard that hmm. back in the 70s and in, in early part of the 80s. But once they took that team score away in 84, it started really deteriorating as a meet. Which is unfortunate. That's too bad. Mm. Too bad. Um, no, I, I used to. I mean, my my. Well, track and field's always been in in my um, in my life because of Keithy Francis. Oh yeah, yeah. He, you know, Keithy's mom was right next door to us in in the Bay Village. Mm. Um, and I I always tell the story that um. You know, you mentioned earlier about uh, you know, TV and and you know, so he was on the ABC. Or I knew he was going to be running that day. So we're sitting, and and one of the guys said, he says, Charlie, he said, um, you know, he's telling us about Keithy's running. I said, and I took off. I ran. I mean, I never ran so fast through the village. Get to my cousin's house ran watched him and it was so amazing just seeing you know we just seen keithy just a couple of days before that yeah you know? oh yeah and now fantastic. we see so. fantastic yeah he and you know he was an 800 meter runner was his main thing although he had the uh, american junior record in the thousand he said juniors means you're under 20 years of age yep. and uh he set the american record and now he's for sure he's in Boston college but, uh, he also he made one shot that time. No black American had broken four minutes in the mile. It hadn't been done. Yep. And um, so they had this thing on Channel 5. And this was, I don't know what year it was. He was still at BC. So it might have been around 1975 or so. And they, uh, it's, it was like Wingland's attempt at the sub four minute mile because no one ever had run under four minutes on Wingland's soil either at that time. And uh, Keith just said, I'll give it a shot. He didn't really train for it. He was training for 100. And I, I don't know this for a fact, but I heard he, he loved basketball. I heard he actually was playing basketball earlier in the day. And they went over there. He ran like 400.8. Just missed it. And uh, um, and then a few, uh, maybe a month or two later, it was like a three. Uh, well, it was Tommy Fulton, Dennis Fikes, and Reggie McAfee. Reggie McAfee was North Carolina. Fikes was from Penn. And Tommy Fulton was from Texas Southern. They were all seriously going after this to be the first one. I can't remember which one of the three. They all broke it, but I can't remember which one did it first. He made one a shot at it. It's like, oh, I'll just give it a shot. And uh, he was such a talent, such a uh, and was such a, another guy was just a gentleman, uh, just a nice, nice guy and died, left us too soon. Yeah, sure. He, uh, I wanted to write, you know, a book on him just like I did with Andre and, um, hmm. You know, but I needed his permission, and at that point, he he just wasn't taking any phone calls or anything like that, and uh, so I never got his permission. And till this day, I'll not, you know, I I won't write it, you know, only because I, I wanted my mentor to tell me, you know, go ahead, you know, give it a shot. And uh, yeah. but uh, well, when he ran at New Bedford High. I obviously I wasn't his coach. He was two years younger than me. Um, Dick Pont was his coach mm -hmm. in uh, track, and 
Him, Steve Caton owns the rock climbing building there by the old Keith. Yep. He's the proprietor and entrepreneur of that. Guy David Sylvia and Richard Nichols. And Richard Nichols, um, he um, yeah, is right, absolutely gone too soon. But uh, Richard Nichols was actually, he's been an attorney for Sugar Ray Leonard, Edwin Moses, Marion Jones. He, he's just a fantastic person. That was the distance medley team. And they ran down on Randall's Island in New York in 1971 because Sylvia and Peyton were a year older than Nichols and Francis. And they ran, they got, they won that day. They won on a lean of the line with Sylvia. Sylvia went to Tennessee. Uh, Kate went to Georgetown. Nichols went to Dartmouth College. Not UMass Dartmouth, but Dartmouth College. And uh, Keith went to Boston College. They're all big time athletes. Uh, and, um, it was the number two time ever run in the history of the distance medley in the country for high schools. And at one point, even just recently, it was still in the top 20 of the run for a time. Even, and that was 1971. I'd say like in the early 2000s, it was still in the top 20. Yeah, just like four superstars all there at the same time. Yeah. Un unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's just... I don't expect you to have favorites, you know, and um, because of you had some outstanding teams, you know, and um, uh, with you know, I'm not even going to ask you this question, you know. Even people do. I was, I was expecting to ask. I have an answer for you. All right, who's your favorite team? Favorite team? Yeah. Well, the thing I really don't have one as far as the team, but the, the thing is, some people think it's really won a title. And they, certainly they they are special because the ones that won those state titles or whatever, but it's also some that that didn't but gave you everything you had, they had, and they pretty much maxed out for what a fifteen, sixteen, or seventeen or eighteen year old kid could do. I mean, yeah, they, you know, as far as just being there every day on time, uh, full of heart and passion for the, the what they were doing in the sport. And so there's, there's other ones, too. So they didn't necessarily have to be a championship team. And I know those ones that did always argue amongst each other who was the better one. You know, was 80 better than 83 or 93 or 95 or 02 and the ones that won the All-State teams. And then the ones that was part of the – he would have run into four minutes if he didn't have his afro. afro done. It probably true. Should have put it in braids. And yeah. so, but uh, and in '76, my first year, I was Dick's assistant. They won the All-State meet, and then there's a guy Larry Oliver and Benny Owen. The '65 team was very good, and they were just starting to have state state meet wasn't around until '62. All-State meets before that was just the class. But they, you know, they all have their you can argue. It's different times and different conditions. They all were everywhere ran in. They all were good. But some yeah. that didn't win. It might have just been they ran into a year that year that there was a team that was just spectacular. We had some great teams in, that you were on, 85 and beyond through 89. We never won an all-state title during that five years. Cambridge, Ringe, and Latin, was, it was their, their time, and they were just spectacular. And we couldn't get by them, you know. And uh, the year after you graduated in 86, some of the same year teammates, we won. Uh, oh, Laurie. Nah. <laughs> um, um, thank you, Laurie. And, um, the, um, uh, we won in class A's. Um, Timmy Jakes won the pole vault. John Borowitz won the javelin. Dusty Cormier won the, uh, shot put and Dana Burgo won the high jump. We won four out of the seven field events and lost the meet. We, we got on the track. We didn't score as much, but Cambridge was just coming at you. Uh, all the way through, and then that set them up. They were on their way for the next four or five years. They won most of those, and we, like I said, we had some good, good teams. We just couldn't get past them. But we, the good thing was, we were always there. We we're always in the hunt. You know, whether we didn't win or not, it was, you know, was the effort there, and it was. And that's really pretty much, uh, you know, not too many years did I end up with. You're gonna have some issues, you know, particularly if you have your, you're in tune, you're not oblivious to what's going on. Yeah, the pretty boats and the track errors. Yeah, um, that um, obviously you know, they had a mentor like people are mentoring, and that's really how I try to use the sport as like a carrot in front of the you know, if you had a kid, one of the things you could make that kid do, yeah, wanted to do as far as behavior, attention to detail, and, and becoming productive citizens, you could 
get them because you've got to motivate as an athlete. Now you can get them to be, all right, how important is it to be punctual? How important is it to be polite? And, how, you know, that sort of thing. And another person, I've actually mentioned this individual's name during all the names I've mentioned today, but I won't say who it was, but went out to dinner. Uh, uh, Kippy Andrade is, is stayed in contact for 40 years with me. And when he comes back from UMass Amherst where he works to visit his mom, we usually get to dinner, have dinner. So he goes, I got a few guests, special guests for you. It was a couple of years ago. We go down to the Greasy Luck and I meet them there. And there's a few guys there from that era. So we're talking and joking, whatever is we're eating. And this one guy goes, coach, I never knew you were this funny. And I go, you think for a second when you were 17 years old, I was going to let you see this side of me? I said, Kippy saw that side of me because I knew I could count on him to do the right things. But you, I wasn't going to give you an inch because if I gave you an inch, you'd take a yacht. And I go, so now we can relax. You're 50 years old and you're doing the right things. But I was worried about you when you were 16 or 17 years old. I said, how many times did I put you in the visit office at 5 o'clock to try to counsel you, you know, and uh, try and get you to do the mix? I said, it wasn't you doing the wrong things. I just saw that sparkle in your eye that you were, you could possibly be led the wrong things. And so I wanted to make sure you didn't do it. So I wasn't going to show you. There was going to be no fooling around with me or no joking with me when it came to you. It was going to be, this is business and this is what we're doing, you know. And, uh, um, yeah, we had a thing. That probably you saw it when we, if we in the... I'm not sure where we warmed up with you during outdoor. If you met the track, or I probably met the track, but in the gym, when we warmed up like in the winter in the gym, 2.30 was practice time. If you came in at 2.30.01, you're doing push-ups or something. There was no, you're, you're there on time. And if you you weren't on time for the bus when we were leaving for meet, I left you. I, yeah. you know, see you later. Be on time. I'm not going to wait for you. That's that's it. Once the tail starts wagging the dog. <laughs> lost control so you know so that was you know i think there's ways to it's more lessons to be learned you know making sure people have to pay attention to detail than than trying to win a meet you know we have to leave someone like uh dana dana came back uh god rest his soul Virgo, but he came back i had a group of high jumpers he'd heard about I ran, saw him one day, and he goes, well, he actually asked me, how's your high jump? Because I said, well, you got two guys going 6'6", another guy going 6'2 this year. Because I'd love to you know, see him. He said, well, come down anytime. He goes, when you're jumping next. So I told him the day. He goes, all right. So he came down, and he said to the – that was his message to the kids. You know, he was like in his late 30s at the time. He goes, he goes listen to this man. He goes, I didn't always listen to him. I should have listened to him. He goes, you know, just do it, you know. Do what he tells you. Just stay in the right path. It was a really good message. It was really uh, good to hear. You know, and the kids that knew who he was because, like what you said, with the record boards. And I, I started when I started in the hallway even. Um, yeah, Jeff and Joe. Yeah, Billy DePino. Oh, what a character. Another 6'6 high jumper, Billy DePino. He was only 5 feet 9 inches tall. Yeah. And Billy ran a 49.4. Um, but um, the um, – um, I put in the hallway, it was plexiglass along that hallway. So I took over like two or three sections of the plexiglass and I made yearly collages besides that one that was in the uh, inside the phys ed office. I'd have ones in. What I'd put up would be uh, pitches of mostly current kids, but I'd have a few of the old timers who had a record or something. So kids would see who maybe Chris Wilden was, who's you know, through the shot 59 feet. Back in '83, or or Fufu, you know Jeff Correa, pitching maybe up him for the new kids. So it'd be something for them to. And then I had pictures of every team that won the state title, you know, holding the plaque, I'd have a group shot of the team after the meet, and have that all up. And um, um, it's too bad Laurie left, uh, so her Jeff's mom, because I remember one time I had Jeff down. It was the end of the school year, and I got him out of class. There was nothing going on to help me make this collage for next year. Yep. And so I show him the 76 state championship team. He was a sophomore at the time, Jeff. And I go, Jeff, can you pick me out of that pitcher? And, and I'm an assistant coach. I was like 22 years old, 23 years old in the pitcher. So got a couple of little distance guys that are in the pitcher. And it was only a pitcher of me, the best guys, guys that ran in the big meet. So it was maybe 16 guys in the pitcher. No, no. Finally, it gets to um, 
he picks Glenn Pyatt, who mentioned, I think I mentioned earlier, he, Glenn is, you know, just retired as a coach in the NFL with Atlanta Falcons, Chicago Bears, those guys. Glenn was that school record holder at discus. Glenn's about 6'2", 230 in this picture. And he picks him. I go, you're being ridiculous now. I mean, that's not me. He picked Carlos Vieira, 30 and kid, sitting there. And the CB Express, we call him. I go, no. Finally, he goes over this little squirt on the back side, you know, back row. And he goes, is that you? And I go, that's me, Jeff. He goes, if you look like that now, you'd never come out for track and field. Story's a classic. I'm, I'm so glad you, you know, you came on and and I love talking about Buffett High and Buffett Track, and it's like you said, those like those birthday things I do on Facebook. I love doing those things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can't even. Uh, I mean, this is this is priceless right now, especially with me hearing it. You know, others hearing it, either now or later. You know, and and it's 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 very important. Um, I can't even. You know, I I see videos of other people that I, I've met over the years, and um, some of the things they would say, and and whether it's about me or others, and and we have lost so much footage from back, you know, you know, we don't have it anymore where it's only because you couldn't maintain them all those years, you know, and yeah. I'm so glad that there's this a digital age where we get videos and, and, and we're able to maintain them for, for years to come. Um, yeah. Well, those pictures from the, my old days, thank God for Dick Pont because as a AD, he would go and take pictures of all the sports, whether it was football or it was tennis. He'd be there. He did that slideshow he did at the end of the year. He'd always have that annual slideshow. So most of these pictures are his slides. Either he helped convert with me. He's done it just in recent years. He's actually He has a little thing in his basement, and he was converting it for me, or I brought him to a professional to hang out a lot because it was, you know, he only has so many hours in the day to be doing that. And, um, and so that's a lot of those pitches were Dick's pitches. Some I pilfered from Ronnie uh, Barbosa. He's basically a pro photographer. And the other guy was Nelson Murray of Murray Studios. And he always did the yearbook. And Nelson would always give me his leftovers. I never took pictures. I didn't have time to take pictures at a meet. I'm busy coaching, you know. And yeah. people say that to me. Boy, you took all the pictures of the meet. I said, I never took one picture of the meet. I was sometimes would videotape kids so we could analog technique and stuff. But usually even that I'd give the camera to somebody else to do it because just threw me off. I really couldn't really be looking at what they were doing right there in the moment. But yeah. uh, Nelson felt sorry for me. He used to say as it was people like a couple um, me and Mr. Roundsville, or me and Bob Lillardall coaching, and we'd have a hundred two of us. Um, and um, all when Darren first started coaching, it was actually one year was Darren was the oldest of the group. I had Darren, Chris Wield, and you know had uh, started working. Uh, Steve Drayton, he, he coached with me. Um, Aguinaldo Ferrero. I had a crew of guys that were like twenty years old, and me. Coaching guys and girls combined, we had like a hundred guys and a hundred girls. It was like, well, you're, I was coaching both teams when you were there. Um, for two years, I was the head 84 and 85, both teams, guys and girls, outdoors. And that was 200 kids. And basically, you had a young coaching staff. It was me and them. I was teaching them basically how to coach yep. in events and how to, even though they ran them for me, or, um, uh, but also just kind of, you know. You got to give them space because you're coaching with the kid, but also kind of help them learn how to do it the right way. And um, that was great. And that was great when I got to UMass. I finally have Darren, and then I had Hal Miller with me that was on my first teams at New Bedford High. He graduated in 78. So when I was an assistant with Dick, he was a sophomore. And he coached with me from 2012 through my last year as head coach, 2018 at UMass. And so we had a staff of Hal. And Darren and myself was all all New Bedford, and that, that last year, well, Darren had passed. Yeah, team, but in eighteen, that New Mass Dartmouth team, we go to the Open News, which is all division. You know, Northeastern's there, Dartmouth College is there, um, BC was there, BU, 
um, UMass Amherst, and we came in fourth as a team in that 2008. It was the highest finish ever Division three school in New England. Uh, no other team. A couple others have done. I think Williams has been in once before, and it was like two other Division three schools that finished fourth, never higher than that. We were actually winning the meet after the first or two-day meet. Come back on Saturday on the scoreboard. There's UMass Thomas at the top. We had like 28 points already. And it was like I told them, uh, uh, the school, put this, the website right now. And they go, well, we're going to wait till the meet's over. And right now, I mean, to the end of the meet, you got to put it up now. We're in first place. This is never going to happen again. This is, uh, we're ahead of all these teams. You can show all the other Division One schools that we're ahead of. And we're sitting here with obviously no scholarships in Division Three, and uh, uh, we don't even have an indoor facility to use during the winter prepare to get to this outdoor season. And uh, it was uh, it was great. And uh, and a lot of the guys that did well were guys Darren had coached up through that year. Wow. And and they you know and his name was mentioned often that weekend you know uh, of uh, his impact as well. So that was cool to do that with him and with Hal. That's, uh, By the way, shameless plug, plug anyone's popcorn, Hal Miller's proprietor of Inpopito Popcorn, I-N-P-O-P-N-I-T-O Popcorn. Mm. It's a big seller. It's like a hundred brands. You know, they have all that different type of well-made popcorn, whatever it is. There's a store report on Dame Street, and he has a production facility in Fall River. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't even, you know, coach it. We could probably go on forever. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, we'll lose viewers, though. If we do, we'll lose viewers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, let's see. Um, I used to like how you guys, you know, got got together, the coaches, and, um, you know, you and Coach Gonzalez, Mickey Gonzalez, and, yeah. and you guys were just comical. You, you definitely belonged on TV, you know, and and – you talk about your, your, you know, one of your, your athletes saying, you know, he didn't know you were like this, and and it's true, man. You, but you guys definitely, uh, um, I, I can't think of that sitcom there with the coach on it. Yeah, it's coach. It's called Coach. Oh yeah, we yeah. we could have wrote a better script. Just you, you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's some stuff because you can't make up some of the things. But he's talking about Mickey. One thing I miss having left New Bedford, and now it's, you know, you're walking into Bedford, some people, you know, I see why should they know you are, you know, because it's been so long. I got a good story in that one, too, though, to end up with. But what I started doing when I lived in, when you were on the team, I lived over on Willow Street off of Charmette Ave on a third floor apartment. But I bought a house in Marion. And so I started having in the summer, just before fall sports would start, we'd have all the sports, whether it was Manny Meadows from soccer or the foot, Wayne Hamilton football and, you know, Eddie Rice with basketball and Mickey and whoever. And we'd have a big cookout at my house, you know, do steaks, burn, the whole thing. And they have all the coaching staff there and uh, just have a good time to get together before it's time to go back to work again. And it was nice. It bonded everybody together as a group that we're all in this regardless of the sport, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, Neil Macedo in volleyball or uh, whoever, you know, we, they were there and uh, we just, you know, just something to say, all right, we got about 10 months now to go back to work. We had a little rest here in the summer. It's time to start up again. Let's start, and we all pulled for each other. But uh, the That's funny story about not knowing who they are. Let me finish this one. This isn't long ago. I'm recruiting at the, the uh, division one meetings at uh, Andover, I think it was. So I'm talking to Isaiah Houtman. And mm-hmm. uh, and these a couple of these girls walk over as athletes. And say this is like 2015. So because I know who I was recruiting that day uh, from Somerville, a boy. I was over there that watching him high jump or whatever. And so these two girls come over and go, Coach, to Isaiah. Hey, some some girl with a lady, some lady with an Emmanuel sweatshirt. I said this love. So I knew right away who it was. It was Shantae Storms, right? And because she was coaching at Emmanuel College. So I said, do you know who that lady is? And the girls go, no. And I go, her name's Shantae Soares. And that little girl almost long jumped 19 feet in New England in 2000. She jumped 18.10 and had a foul about 19.2 on her last jump. Mm-hmm. And then went to UMass Amherst. She was an Atlantic 10 Athlete of the Week for the whole conference. 
and uh, just had a tremendous career at UMass Amherst too. So you see, it doesn't matter about size because she's only about five feet tall, but actually the coach called me at New Bedford High when she was a freshman at UMass Amherst. So in 2000, fall 2000, and I get, I answered the phone at the school visit office because I knew their strength and conditioning coach. He goes, Shante, so let me say hello. He just goes, Shante Soares. I go, yep. He goes, this is Baba Trondo. I said, oh, how, how are you? He goes, strongest girl in the whole UMass athletic, Amherst Athletic Department. And uh, so anyways, as she walks, the two girls walk away after me giving them a thing on Shante Soares. I say, he goes, you know what you're saying to each other right now? I go, what? He goes, who's that old guy anyways? <laughs> you know, you're right. They, they had no idea who I was. I am. <laughs> that was funny. That's a good one by, uh, by uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's unbelievable. Shante, uh, she's dear to me. Um, definitely uh, one of the gems that you had on that field. You know? um, yeah. We did a video. We did some kids did videos for MF Athletic, uh, which is where you pretty much buy all your track and field. It's high jump pits, it's starting blocks, it's batons, it's poles, you know, whatever. You pretty much get it from MF. And they have this video series, come to whatever practice, come to high jump practice, come to 100 practice. So she did come to 100 meter. She was the person in the video who come to 100 meter practice. And Jameson Baba was come to 400 meter practice. Mm -hmm. Tommy Simmons and Mallory Rossi would come to strength practice. Mallory Rossi did something they couldn't believe she could do. Yep. Uh, some forward lunge, single legs lunges and squats with, uh, with weight attached as well. And doing it as a little sophomore at the time. And they're like, I said, we don't fool around. We, we work no. hard. Away from it. It's like, uh, <laughs> I mean, John Day was a powerhouse. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we had a few of those videos where our kids doing them. Uh, so that was pretty yeah. pretty cool, Shante. She could leave the track and go right across the street. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So her mother always knew where she was. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Coach, we got about that's yeah, it's gonna wrap it up. I um, you know, I I can't say enough words about you. You definitely first impressions were were unbelievable when I first met you. And um, I hope you continue to do what you've been doing for uh, decades now. And um, UMass has a diamond, and I hope you continue to stay there. Um, well, I've got a good guy coming as the head coach now, a guy, Mike Sam. I had to step down because I can't do full-time work at the okay. pension situation. And I always told him, if you can make that job full-time, I was working like 60 hours a week, but I couldn't get paid for the 60 hours. Getting paid yeah. like a hard time. But they were able to combine the cross-country job, which was full-time with, with the track. And uh, so my advice effectively knocked me out of my job, but it was for the best because at my age, I always you know, I told them, look, how long am I going to be able to do this at the level I'm doing it? And if I uh, stay with this job, it's um, part time, and you lose that full time slot. Yeah. Then when I'm stepped down, you're gonna, you know, it's the, state, the way the state works. You may never get that slot back, and so um, you're better off doing it now. And it just worked out. I was able to stay on as a, as the assistant. So, um, so it worked out. You know, and he's doing a great job. So, um, I, uh, hey, I'm I'm always here to support you. David. <laughs> and uh is david good friend of mine uh i uh you need anything you know anything but you all it's funny you know you went new bedford for the high school for the boys i can still picture you coming into the phys ed office when you had gym you're one of those guys that would come in and say talk to all the coaches or all the teachers in there and i wasn't a phys ed teacher but i was teaching health right down the hallway so in between classes i'd you know, it took forever for kids to get down pretty much the full five minutes you had to pass to go from one end of the building to get to, I'm the last one in the building. So I'd float in there, give them a hard time. And, you know, they, they kind of thought it was great when I was leaving that I wasn't going to be around to come in at seven o'clock in the morning and be loud and laughing and stuff. But I think they missed it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, 2021, I hope is good for you. 
Appreciate uh, it. Same to you and yours, too. Yep. You stay safe. And uh, if you want to do this again, we can do it again. It could be about anything. But uh, I'm always on. Every week I'm doing this. Um, every few days, I somebody comes up with something, I'll put them on. So, All right. Good. Thank good, you. Cool. I appreciate it. Thank you. I truly love you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Charlie. Right back at you. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye. Hey, man, that was definitely uh, a great, great, great story. Unbelievable. I can't even uh, tell you how I feel right now, other than uh, completely happy and this man is is definitely he's touched so many lives and uh i mean i'm pretty sure he knows it but if you all can just leave some comments you have some stories that we didn't touch off touch up on uh please put in the comment section because this video is always going to be here and maybe coach can um check them out later and answer you know your questions or, or comment on your stories so Thank you very much. As I always say every every week, mask those beautiful faces. Hand sanitize. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Keep yourself safe. Keep others safe. I love you guys. And stay tuned for some other great shows on the Really Charlie podcast. Air here on StreamYard, Anchor, Spotify, and Facebook. If you need to reach out to me, my email is reallycharliepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you want to hear something, we'll get, we'll get it done. Thank you very much.